My name is Austin Killian. I'm Andrew Harper. And we're both pastors at First Baptist Church in Cleveland. Welcome to the Exiles Podcast, where we talk about life, doctrine, hot topics, and all things Baptist from a gospel-centered point of view. It is a new week. We are... I am tired. Man, <laughs> I don't, started. I don't know. It's Labor Day... Well, it was Labor Day weekend. But for That's me, true. it was more than Labor Day weekend. You had D now. And then I went gator hunting. And then you went gator hunting and got you a big old gator. Got me a big old gator. Well, actually, I would say we it was a group of us who got that gator. Uh, who actually, like, shot it? My dad. Uh, but okay. someone had to wrestle it. You wrestled it? it well, me and, me and Wes did, and then... Wes who? Williford. Oh, nice. And then, and then Lawson. Oh, Lawson's nice. the one who snared it, so, like... You get, so you like, were just like hanging out in the back no, of the no, boat, no. So like, just being like, "You guys get that thing." So, no, so me and let me get a picture though. Me, Dad, and Wes cast cast a hook. Okay, what you put on the hook? Nothing. Oh, you okay. you just you kept, you see them on top of the water. Uh-huh. Their head pop up, and you try to throw it right behind their head, and you, you reel. And the objective is that the hook would just catch them. Oh, okay. So all three of us threw one, and Dad's hook landed, and so when it landed. The fight was on, and then he. So, like, what's he, this hook attached to? A rod and reel. A rod and reel. Like, how are you gonna catch a gator with it's a like, rod and reel? They're, they're legit rod and reels. Anyway, okay, I'm about to say this ain't no like Zebco. <laughs> no. Okay, like, that's crazy. So, like, so then, so Dad hands me the rod. Wes gets his in to the um to the gator too. We both we we reel it in. We fight it for a minute. Eventually, the gator gets tired out, and that's when you come in with the snare, and the snare kind of wraps it around it. It's mine. Yeah. Uh, and then okay. you take a piece of tape and then you do what you have to do and then pull it into the What do you mean? Boat. What do you mean? You, you know, I, do it to... you gotta, you gotta shoot it and then, uh, and then you're good to go. And now, uh, here probably in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we'll have some gator nuggets and mm. gator, gator smoked sausage and that all that stuff. Good. Yeah, well, we'll see. You ever it's, had it? Have you? I've had gator sausage before and I've had fried gator, but. Is it okay? Yeah. I mean, I heard it's really but it was oily. in New Orleans. I've heard it's like really oily meat. Like it's kind of dark meat. Yeah, it is dark meat. You Very can dark meat. you can definitely tell. Like so, when people t- say that like chicken tastes like gator, or gator, or gator tastes, tastes like, like ch- gator tastes like chicken. Not so much. I don't th- I don't think so. It's its own thing. Yeah, it tastes really good with some comeback sauce, and I'm not everything tastes good with comeback sauce. It does not. Like, I thought it was gonna taste kind of good with ranch. I'll tell you what. Now, people might disagree with me, but a similar flavor to me is a fried mushroom. Oh, okay, that's but, fair. But like you know, not that. not the mushroom that's like filled with a lot of seasoning, just like plain just the old mushroom itself, plain yeah. old fried mushroom. You're like, I don't, I'm I, not I can fan. eat it, I can eat it, but it's okay. I'm not a fan of mushroom. Yeah, I love mushrooms. Ugh. Stuffed mushrooms, delicious. Anyways, all right, what are we talking? We're not that talking just about took up our whole <laughs> banter part. There we go. But I was tired. It was an all nighter. We we didn't get home. Until 10 the next morning. We got there at 10 that night. Dang, that's a long night. Yeah, we didn't catch that gator until 5 o'clock in the morning. So, anyways. That's wild. Today we're talking about a new topic. That topic is? Worship. I love to talk about worship. Now, are we talking about like the singing and the praising and the and what you do on a Sunday morning? Or what is what is worship that we're talking about today? Uh, we're going to do a little bit of kind of a survey of some places where we see... Um, I think God's interaction with humanity and the expectation of worship. 
Um, and I think singing and you know being a part of church service is a part of that, but that's not um, all that worship is. And the scriptures have a lot to say about what it means to to worship God. Um, if you think of like just Leviticus itself, even though it seems very um, boring, wow, at some times. So God's word is boring. I'm just saying. Let's be honest. Um, God is giving parameters and, and ways in which uh, humanity at that time um, could interact with God in a way that was worshipful. I would say difficult. Yeah, I'd say it's difficult. The difficulty makes it less interesting to read. Yes. You're like you're reading. You're like, okay, okay. And part of that because because there, there comes some difficulty when sinful man wants to approach and worship a perfect God. And so there's a lot of parameters that have to go around that, especially before someone has come to atone for the sins of of mankind. Praise the Lord. That's right. Praise <laughs> Jesus. Yep. All right. Well, today we're going to start in the beginning where it all started, where worship was first instituted. And so we talk about um, Genesis. And we want to look at Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 and really, just to kind of show you where we're going, we want to see in Genesis 1, God created all things. Genesis 2, we see that God created the family. In Genesis 3, we see where, where worship was, as Andrew has been saying to me, displaced, which I really like that wording there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why don't we just start off Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. All right, so really you see God create all of creation. You get kind of an indicator that he's going to do that whenever it says in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so God creates everything that we have here on creation as um, an act of his love and grace and mercy and gift um, of himself Um, within the Trinity. There's this perfect love that exists and and that expresses itself in this beautiful creation that we get to have. Um, But also that creation worships God and and that it reflects his glory. It reflects his love it reflects his perfection. It reflects all the amazing qualities of God. Mm-hmm. And that's then brought to bear also in humanity. When uh, God says, let us make man in our image, and he makes man and woman in the image of God as a reflection of him. You could think of humanity almost as like statues in a way that are reflective of the goodness and grace uh, and love that God is. Mm. And so you see him create these these human beings that are to be in this creation, reflecting his character, his glory as a way of worshiping him. And God calls them to do normal things. He calls them to work the garden and to cultivate it and to have a family. And he also calls them to multiply worshipers, make more and more of these people. Uh, and so we see that this is an expectation in the very beginning. So before sin comes into the mix, the expectation is that God has given of himself in a way that also reflects back on himself in worship. Um, And that comes in creation and also in humanity. Yeah, and then when you get into Genesis chapter 2, you get to see, well, obviously we see the the day 7 when God rests, setting the example for, for mankind to rest in him and then you get into the creation of Eve, but I think that there's a, there's something unique about going into uh, Genesis 2 where when you're looking at the creation of Eve, leading up to that point, 
um, God has Adam doing things in the garden. And and really what, what God is doing is he is setting an expectation of what Adam's role is in creation. He is naming the animals. He is uh, cultivating the garden. He is... Um, He's, he's working uh, in the garden and doing as God has asked him to do. And so when you look at creation and, and who is uh, supposed to be the one leading in creation, ultimately we know that it is God, the one who created all things, the one that all things are to worship. But then God instructs Adam and Eve to be the ones who rule over that domain that he has so graciously given to them. And so you see that played out in Adam giving the names to the animals, but also at the very end when he gives the name to his wife and he and he says those words, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, or you shall be called woman, right? And then, and then things kind of get a little bit weirder in Genesis chapter 3 because in Genesis chapter 3, we don't know what the time period is, but we know that there has been a time and a season where they have worshipped God through their through their love and service towards Him. They have dwelled with God in the garden, and then the serpent enters into the scene, and he begins to uh, manipulate and he begins to try and attempt to convince uh, Adam and Eve that what they have been doing in their life as far as worshiping has actually been misguided. And he begins to attempt to displace that worship um, by tempting them with this fruit that God told Adam and Eve that they could not eat. And so that's when we get into sin displaced. Right, so we have in chapter 3, we have Adam and Eve who have always lived in perfect harmony with God and perfect worship of him never not reflecting him. So in everything that they were doing, they were reflecting his character, um, all the things that he had called them to do. They were in complete obedience to him. And so everything that they were doing was worshipful to them, mm. to him. There was nothing, there was no thought, there was no idea, there was no action that was not worshipful to God because it was in perfect reflection of his character. However, when we come to Genesis 3, we see that that is displaced. And so we know that there's only one opportunity for them not to worship God. They have an infinite amount of possibilities to worship him and just one. And so the serpent comes in and uses that one opportunity to make them doubt God's word um, and God's blessings toward them. He, he basically acts as if God is holding out on them whenever he says, well, you don't, you can't really trust God's word in this area because you're not going to surely die if you eat of this, of this fruit. And, and ultimately, you're going to obtain wisdom and you're going to know good from evil and you're going to be like God. And so what he does is he begins to give them the idea that their worship should not be given to God but should actually be given to themselves. He displaces it and says, you can become like him. So therefore, you should do the things that you want to do. And so now the worship is now displaced upon themselves. And we see this complete flip or this complete dichotomy shifted. And when you look at Philippians 2, where it says that Jesus didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped because he was God. But humanity in Genesis 3 sees that equality with God is something to reach for. Mm. And they're not made for that. They're made to worship God. They cannot be like God. And so in Genesis 3, they're seeking to be like God 
and they displace their worship from a creator to themselves, the created. And we see that that ultimately comes to fruition whenever Eve takes the fruit, gives it to her husband, and that sin and brokenness is brought into the created order. And from that moment on, they cannot reflect God perfectly mm-hmm. because now they have disobeyed him. They have uh, mistrusted his word, just completely doubted his word, and have actually turned their affections and their focus and their energies away from worshiping God and actually to worshiping themselves. Yeah, and now because of that, all those who come after him face the same curse that they did, where we, in our brokenness, uh, lead, uh, fall away and mistrust the Lord and and turn from him in, in our hours of need and try to run to other things to fill our needs. I do think that there's one thing that's really interesting about this that someone pointed out to me. So like oftentimes when we talk about that story of Adam and Eve, we look at we look at creation and we say that all things are good, but then we think about the fruit and we think, no, no that's bad. But in reality, even that was good. Because God, everything that he created was very good. I mean, even Eve says it. She says, like, I saw it. It was a delight to the eyes, mm-hmm. right? It looked it looked good. Right. Um, but I think, I think that there's something to be said that, like, there are things in our life that are good things mm-hmm. that God has created for, for our enjoyment. And I would even make the argument that though they couldn't eat it, that tree was still built there for their enjoyment mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that it should... Re- turn them back to the Lord. Um, but good things can keep us or turn us away from or misplace or displace our worship mm-hmm. in the Lord. And so um, I think that in, at the end, we need to, when, it, when we talk about our, our heart for worship, we need to really reflect on what, what is the object of our affection? What is, what is, mm-hmm. what, what is, what is our greatest desire whenever we come to the Lord and worship. And and I think that what we'll find is whatever our greatest desire is when we when we go to worship is the thing that we actually worship. Right. So and there's also I think it's a, I think it's from Tim Keller. He says when when um good things become God things is when we have displaced our worship. Where mm-hmm. we worship the things that are created whether it's ourself, whether it's our family, whether it's money or influence, power, success, status. Um, these are all things. Influence is not bad. Money is not bad. A family is not bad. A spouse is not bad. They're all good things. Like you said, they're gifts from the Lord. But when we allow them to be God things and that we give all of our affection and all of our attention and all of our energy to those things, they become idols that are areas for us to displace our worship. Yeah, so this is the beginning of worship. Uh, next week, we're going to look at a couple of other things uh, where God's people were called back to worship. And uh, I think this is the start of, we're going to go ahead and start season three of the Exiles podcast. And we are going to be spending some time on this topic of worship and looking at different avenues of, of worshiping the Lord. Uh, and that... I guess is it for this episode. All right. That's going to do it for us here at the Exiles Podcast. Boom. If you've got any uh, questions, Pow. be sure to email them at theexilespod at gmail.com. That's what those sounds were when I was hitting that gator yesterday. Oh, yeah. You were, you were, you were giving them the business. Oh, yeah. Also, be sure to subscribe, like, share, and enjoy all this beautiful content about worship. 
Uh, but don't worship it. No, don't worship it. Don't spend too much time. Just the uh, amount of time. What is it? Like 20 minutes, maybe? Praise the Lord for it. That's, that's, there you go. But, you can be appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. All right. Peace. Bye now. Thank you.